You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. That is me, and this is my podcast. My podcast. It's our podcast. I like to share it with you. So many people are like, how do you just keep talking about weddings? Well, here's the thing. Secret squirrel. I don't always talk about weddings. I talk about things around weddings that surround weddings that aren't necessarily about the aesthetics. And today's episode is a perfect example of that very thing. I want to talk with you, to you, together. <laughs> about decision-making, because I know that we all have different ways of approaching decisions and important decisions in our life and not so important decisions. And some of us get analysis paralysis. Some of us are logical decision-makers. Some of us are very rational. Some of us are very emotional when it comes to making decisions that may affect our future or may just be a spare of the moment, what flavor yogurt to get. Raspberry is the answer. It's not the answer. It's whatever you want it to be. I've spoken often and written a lot, actually, in the Bride Chiller Survival Guide about this quite odd thing that often happens to family and friends when you first announce your engagement, that they instantly ask you a bunch of questions that they surely know you don't have the answers to, but ask anyway like details. You've literally just announced your engagement and they want to know all the nitty gritty about what time to arrive at your wedding, which you haven't planned or decided on anything. But as soon as they start to ask these questions, I know a lot of my lovely listeners, you, my friends, say it sucks because it pushes us into this zone of having to make decisions quickly because we feel pressured or we feel like we're behind the game because we haven't made these decisions. And it can send people into a flurry of feeling like they have to jump in and make major decisions without actually pausing and then thinking about what they actually want, what they can afford, their desires, having a conversation about what they both want together. Because as we've said, we as in I, that Really, planning a wedding is a team situation. You are hoping to come out of the end of the wedding, very hoping, big fingers crossed, as a duo, as a team. So you should be making these decisions together from the start. It's not a one-man band. It's a team sport. So when people are asking questions and you feel obliged to make decisions quickly, sometimes they're not the right quote-unquote decisions to make but you feel like, I must just get this done. I must, I must just stop them from asking questions. I'll make decisions. We'll just jump into it. Some people react totally differently. And that's when I talked about analysis paralysis. They go into some sort of shutdown. <laughs> they pause. They become overwhelmed with choice and the decisions that are in front of them. Both are perfectly normal. Might I add, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a girl who likes to talk about a lot of things. And I've been doing lots of reading in the lead up to recording this episode about our decision-making processes. And I wanted to share some of my favorite, is that a good way to say it? Some things that really piqued my interest, but also hopefully some very logical easy to process steps about how you can either slow down your decision making or your reaction to questions and not feeling pressured to have to make decisions on the spot. And in the opposite, how you can feel more confident with your decisions and actually make them rather than feeling sometimes constricted and the pressure is too much so you just don't make any decisions at all and then you panic and you feel overwhelmed because nothing has been done, which I think 
is a lot of people listening to this show. You can sometimes start the wedding planning process. What? My voice went really high just then. I don't know what's going on. Only dogs could hear that. When you start the wedding planning process, it's like it's a lie. It's not. When you start the wedding planning process, that's my normal voice, whatever normal is, that you make big decisions. You might book a venue. You might find a photographer. You might hopefully come up with a budget that you're going to stick to or at least a guide budget that you can stick to and then you might leave it a little while and then you go on Pinterest and Instagram and you've got people in your ear someone's someone's friend who's did something and you should do this and you should do that and then the overwhelm can creep up on you because you're like shit there's a lot to do there's a lot to decide what the fuck are we going to do Now, in our everyday lives, and I'm speaking from a personal experience here, that we're busy. We've got a lot of shit on. We've got a lot of stuff to do. And I think our generation are making a lot more decisions a lot more quickly than our parents. We've got a lot more information available to us, which is great, but it also can make it really stressful when it comes to making a decision. We Google everything after two and a half seconds. We have access to great things like reviews that we want to go and check something out or make sure things are legit, which is great. But also, once you go and read a review, you can get stuck in this zone. I know I do. I go on Amazon to buy socks and then three and a half hours later, I've read 28,000 reviews. I'm more confused than I was when I was about to buy the socks initially. And I will say, side note, I think I'm a pretty solid decision maker. I really trust my gut, which we're going to get to in a minute. But I do find the information overwhelm can sometimes trigger this unease, this dis-ease in me that questions, makes me question things. I just said questions things like a weird old lady. That make me question things, that make me question my own decision-making process and then have to pause again, like I said, for three and a half hours. My decision-making often comes with money. This is when I struggle a little bit. And here's a good example. Rich and I are heading off on a ski trip. We're very excited with my cousin, Belinda, who you've heard on the show, and her husband, Luke. She got married in Hawaii, if you've listened to that episode. We're so excited. We've been planning this trip for nearly a year. And by the time you listen to this, we would have been on the trip. Exciting. Now, I knew the dates that we were going to go on this trip. I'm very efficient. I'm a TV producer by day, which is all about logistics. And to manage Bride Chiller and my day job and the book and merch business on the side as well, there's a lot going on. So I think I'm quite organized. And when I say I'm going to do something, generally, 90% of the time, again, I went up like it was a lie, 90% of the time, I do it. And we decided on the date for this trip. And I thought I must book some flights because we're going to be flying in peak ski season. Everyone will be trying to buy flights and I don't want to go on a shitty airline. just want to treat myself. Fast forward, nodding off, Alicia. So anyway, I went through the process and then I remember, well, I don't remember, now I remember, going through, being a bit confused as to what to buy, doing the thing where I go and search 400 different airlines and then for some reason I must have walked away. And then last weekend, Rich and I were like, let's check what time that flight is. Now, did I fucking book that flight? Did I make that decision? No. I buried it deep, walked away. Six months later, no flights. Which was a real problem because now we are going on a shitty airline and we're going at a not ideal time and we've paid three times the amount, probably four times the amount than when I'd initially logged on to make that decision. 
I would equate my bad forgetting I didn't book the fucking flight from the beginning on the overwhelm of not just going with my initial gut feeling of just booking the British Airways flight or whatever the fuck it was and just paying the money and just putting it to bed with opening 400 tabs, so many tabs open, and then not knowing what to do, probably getting up to make a cup of coffee and then burying it deep emotionally and just fucking forgetting about it. Which, as I said, is uncharacteristic for me. I'm usually very organised. Everything goes in the Google calendar. We've got a shared calendar that we use. And it would have been fine. And Rich and I could not believe I hadn't done this. And we spent two hours last Sunday going through all our PayPal receipts and credit card receipts and debit card receipts going, maybe the airline fucked up. Like We couldn't believe I'd fucked up. And I'm no martyr. Just want to say, I fuck up all the time. But this was one of the things that we both were like, that seems weird that you didn't do that. So that's my version of overthinking my thinking. I remember looking at all these tabs and thinking, oh, this is too much. I need a break. So how do we master the art of decision making without sending us into a spiral, but also without making irrational decisions and then regretting it later? That's what really interests me. And that's what I hope we can learn together today. I want to just say that I think, not to gender this because we're all a bit tired of everything being about gender, but well, because it fucking is, by the way. But I was reading about how men and women approach decision making and how, when we're raised, how our terminology and the way we describe things and how we are asked questions to then go on and make decisions can be really different. A lot of the time, boys are sort of given a different set of rules and that means like in the in the playground for example they can yell and they can be aggressive and ballsy and and they can be bossy and a lot of girls aren't well especially in I'm an 80s child I remember sort of play nicely and do your best and don't rough around and don't speak up too much and I know this is changing And, you know, I speak up a lot so I'm breaking those rules already but I do think we are given different social norms from kids age that can affect us as adults. A lot of men, because of that confidence boost they're given when they're younger, might be more direct and positive. Even if they don't think they're right or they're making a decision, they are more confident in making the decision and sticking with it. I mean, you just have to look at the current political situation fucking everywhere where we see these ballsy fucking... I've, fuck, I've said fuck a lot this episode. I don't know what's going on. Just go with it. These men who are very confident, even when proven multiple times that they are wrong, will stick with the decision and will ride it. Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but it's an interesting comparison. And when women do that, often it isn't accepted in the way that our male counterparts are. If we stand up and we're strong-minded and strong-willed and we really stick to our guns, it doesn't always go the same way. There have been some really big moments in my life where I have just tapped into a feeling and I am not into woo-woo. I just want to say I am pretty straight-laced when it comes to, you know, listening to your spiritual... It's just not my scene. Totally, if it's your bag, I get it. I don't get it. That's the point. But I, I think I'm quite logical and I think I can be very good at removing emotions from certain situations, which is not always great. But I do believe in trusting that gut instinct, that intuition that we've obviously been given or we've had for thousands of years. The gut instinct was 
originally there to say, there's a bear behind you. It's going to maul you to death. You should move now. I think we've all felt that little feeling in our tummies or our chest where we're like, something feels off, something feels wrong, or I'm just not vibing with this idea or this decision. Maybe I should take a step back or make a very rational, fast choice and go, this is not for me. I don't feel safe. I don't feel comfortable. Or this isn't the direction I want my life to take. Have you had those feelings? Have you had those emotions before where you've just been maybe in the workplace and someone's asked you to do something or take a job or swap a shift or something where you've just felt, I don't think so. This is not this is not a good decision for me. And often if I have not listened to that feeling and gone home and it's just sat with me and just like on my shoulders and I've worried about it and then I often have gone back and gone, actually... I need to trust my feeling, my intuition. I am going to go with what I really want to do. And it's been the right decision. Think about how many decisions we make every day. And I'm not even talking about all the shit we've got to deal with with wedding planning. What to eat for dinner can sometimes be the most annoying decision where you're like, I don't care. You could feed me with a drip right now. I just don't want to decide if we have to go to the supermarket or if we're getting takeaway. Or even if you decide to go out for dinner, one of Rich and I's favorite annoying decisions that we both go, oh, I don't know. What, what do you want to eat? Well, we've got the steak place. We've got the pizza place. It's like, I don't. I just want someone to swoop in, some special decision maker, and go, tonight you'll be having chicken. And it's just the relief that that decision someone else making, it's palpable. Well, it would be if we had that magic decision person. I was reading an article in, in research to look at what high power, big, important people, people that think they're very important, do to eliminate the stress of decisions, especially when they're managing big teams and making big decisions with big money. And I was reading about Mark Zuckerberg. Mark, do better. But thanks, because I really love the Bridechiller community group and I couldn't do it without you yet. I was reading about Mark Zuckerberg and his decision to wear hoodies and jeans and his weird shoes. Weird shoes are those slides shoes that look like sandals that you just wear to the pool, but they wear them with socks and stuff. I don't know. We're going with it. He's a billionaire. Fine. But he says, I choose to wear those clothes because I don't want to have to get up and make a decision about what outfit to wear. So it's like putting on a uniform. It's one less decision that I have to fret or worry about every morning. And that makes total sense. I know I can look in the bloody wardrobe in the morning and I hate everything that I own, which I don't. But in some mornings, it's like, why does this not... I just need better clothes. I need clothes that fit me. I need clothes that make me feel better. I want someone here with Polaroids of all my clothes and different outfits. And I want someone to come in and make the decision what I can wear today to feel good about myself and not have to make this freaking decision. So far, I've said I want someone to make restaurant and dinner decisions and also someone to tell me what clothes to wear. It's just like I need a PA, a very decisive PA. If anyone's available, please let me know. After the break, five very practical, very easy to implement ways to navigate your personal emotions, to navigate your decision-making choices, and to make the right decision for you. These are really easy to implement. I, I am going to utilize them myself, and hopefully by the end of this episode, we can make a very good pros and cons list. We can be very logical. We can be decisive and Ditch the overwhelm when it comes to making decisions, particularly around your wedding, when we stress about little decisions that ultimately don't equate to any change 
or improvement in your situation or your guest's situation. This is the Bride Chiller Podcast. See you soon. Here's an experience I'm sure we can all relate to if you have breasts or buzzies, as I like to refer to them. Bra shopping can sometimes be painful, annoying, frustrating, especially if you are dealing with an inexperienced salesperson who's just trying to sell you a fancy bra that doesn't do the job that it's supposed to do. Well, if you're sick of all that hoo-ha, then you are going to pick up what I am putting down. Harper Wild is bra shopping without the BS. Here's what really got me. They have a free home try-on. They send them, you try them on if you want to keep them. Aces, if you don't, you send them back, no charge to you. And therefore you can avoid the 17-year-old sales assistant who says that bra looks really nice on you and literally your breasts are coming out of the bra. Shipping is covered both ways, so you only pay for the bras that you try on and that you want to keep. And there are not 50 million bras to choose from. This is why I love this concept. There are three bras, the base, the boost, and the flex. They are all designed to support your buzzies comfortably throughout the day. You will not be dying to take the bra off at the end of the day. Oh my gosh, we've all been there. Harper Wild was created by female founders. They get what we want. They have three different shades of nude. And they were made with women wearing them in mind. Their bras provide support and will not show through your shirt. Unless you want them to, and that's A-OK. It is time to start lifting up your ladies with Harper Wild. All you need to do is go to harperwild.com slash bridechiller to get started today with a free at-home try-on and get a free bra wash bag so you can wash your bra responsibly. Make sure you select three bras to try on and don't forget to add the wash bag to your cart too. That is Harper Wild, H-A-R-P-E-R-W-I-L-D-E dot com slash bridechiller to try on three bras at home for free and receive your very special free gift. HarperWild.com backslash bridechiller. Chillers, I have oft spoken about my feelings when it comes to those big bridal shows where you go along and someone thrusts a pamphlet in your face. And a lot of the time you leave those experiences feeling like a lot of people have just tried to sell you stuff and don't really have that personal care that I know a lot of chillers want and need when it comes to selecting your wedding vendors, which is why I am delighted to introduce you to the Big Fake Wedding. If you have not experienced the Big Fake Wedding before, then let me just tell you, they produce amazing events which have become the most uniquely curated and most far-reaching bridal show in the USA. The inaugural Big Fake Wedding was held over 10 years ago when Callie, an aspiring wedding photographer, with the goals of promoting small businesses and inspiring couples to hire locals and work with people that really care. The concept was for couples to experience a wedding with all of the vendors involved so they could see them in action. And by that I mean, you come along, you attend the Big Fake Wedding, you get dinner and drinks, you see a vow renewal ceremony, and then there's often a dance party reception, like you get involved in these events. There are 23 Big Fake Wedding events left in 2019, everywhere from Cape Cod to Detroit, Seattle to Birmingham, Nashville and San Francisco. Be sure to grab your tickets while they last and don't forget to use the code BRIDECHILLER to get $10 off.
Visit thebigfakewedding.com. Use the promo code BRIDECHILLER to get $10 off. Experience a fabulous party. Have some drinks, dance, and eat some lovely food. And take advantage of exclusive discounts you get. Before the break, I talked very briefly about how little decisions can be the most overwhelming. I know a lot of us have probably made big life decisions on a whim and you're like, shit, that should have been harder. But you just go with it, you move on. Whereas it can be difficult if you're going into a store. My personal example is the makeup department when I pretty much have been a bit of a Clinique devotee for years. I just sort of stick to it. I know it, it works, it's good with my skin. But sometimes I venture Outside, God forbid if I'm in a Sephora. I mean, just leave me there for the day because it's freaking overwhelming. It's exciting. There's a lot to see and do. But by the end of it, I probably just come back out with the clinique because I'm like, I don't really know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's also when you ask me to go into a gift store to buy a gift or pick a card or decide what bloody nail polish color to buy or get done at a nail salon. Oh, my God. Worst decision ever. Am I right? Am I right? I also mentioned before the break the good old pros and cons list. This is number one. This is obvious. This is something that I know we all underutilize. And when it comes to making decisions, it's an emotive choice. So many decisions are made from emotion, not necessarily logic, or looking at what potential outcomes could come from this decision. So by mapping out our options and looking at the alternatives and looking at the outcomes of choice one and choice two, it's a great foundation to seeing which decisions you're making due to emotion and what are the logical outcomes of these decisions. It's also a great thing to do with your partner. If if they think you should be making one decision and then you think you guys should be making another decision, then if you sit down and do a pros and cons together, you get a bloody, just a piece of paper with two columns. We do this this way or we do this this way. And we write down together both of the answers to these these questions. And they might be different. Your pros and cons might be very different to your partner. For example, should we get, should we borrow money for our wedding? Yes, no. And your answer might be, yes, because it gets us the wedding we want, quote. Side note, I am not encouraging anyone to go and get a loan. I just picked this out of my ass. But your partner's answer might be, no, I want to be able or we want to be able to go and enjoy life after our wedding. I don't want to be paying back a loan. Fuck it. We'll make it work. Also, when you map out options and you do pros and cons, you can add a third column to it when you're having this discussion. And it might be, okay, we could approach our parents for a loan instead of going to the bank and come up with a very clear and fair payment system that isn't going to dent us as much as having to approach a bank and get our credit rating and all the shit involved in it. So if you come up with alternatives as well, it can make it a lot more simplified. This may feel really obvious to you. and You might be listening going, Alicia, no shit, Sherlock. A pros and cons list is the first thing I do. But sometimes there are so many options that you don't even think about sitting down and taking a moment to write this shit down and walk away from it for 20 minutes, an hour, two days, and then come back and have a look at the pros and cons again and see what works, what doesn't. 
Number two is when you are choosing to make this decision. I know if I'm hungry, if I'm tired, if I'm impatient, if I am wearing a tight bra that I just want to take off, my decision-making facilities, my capacity to make decisions can be really different to when I'm relaxed with a coffee, I've had time to think about it, the sun is shining and I'm feeling positive. I suppose the easy way to say this is don't make decisions when you know your emotions are not going to work with you. Clear the cash, or the cash, as the Brits would say. Clear it, then make the decisions. Don't put yourself in the position where you are feeling feisty, are feeling frustrated, and then you add a very big decision or a small decision, which can be even worse, on top of the pile to make you feel uncomfortable, awkward, overwhelmed, and unoptimistic. Number three is a flow on from that. Thinking about emotions and how a lot of decisions, especially when it comes to wedding planning, are both business decisions because they are monetary and financial decisions, but they're also hugely emotive. In the Bride Chiller Survival Guide, I have a couple of chapters about talking about money, about how to get on the same pathway as your partner or create a whole new freaking path together when it comes to how you work with money and decisions relating to money and where money's coming from and combining your money stories. And one thing I talk about is the emotion of money and weddings. It's very hard to disconnect the heart when it comes to making these decisions, especially if you have a lot of pre-existing expectations about how the day is going to be. No judgment. This is perfectly normal. And I know I've gone into so many life decisions, not even talking about our wedding, where I've thought about it. I've imagined I'm a very visual person. I've imagined how it's going to happen or the outcome or how things are going to look, how I'm going to look, how I'm going to feel. And if it doesn't happen that way, it can really be conflicting and it also can be challenging because you're like, well, this isn't what I planned. This isn't how I thought it would work. So when you start to make decisions surrounding wedding planning, a lot of us have sticker shock, which is when you, a really fun, annoying term that we use over and over again, and people are always like, what's sticker shock? It's when you start to get quotes, you start to do some outreach to vendors, and they come back with a quote that's 50 times the amount that you expected, and that's sticker shock. You see the price, and you're like, fuck, fuck you. That's how I usually react to sticker shock. What? What? Like a little dog. But then these disappointments can be even more crushing because you've already associated a feeling and an emotion with the transaction before it's even happened. So when people let you down or you felt you feel let down by these big prices or unavailability or things just not working the way you expected, it can be even more frustrating. And sometimes we make decisions based on emotions that aren't necessarily very logical or very good for us. And also... If these were decisions that weren't related to a wedding and you were just doing it at work, if a decision was being made about a business transaction, then you wouldn't be as connected with it emotionally and you might be able to say this isn't a good deal and perhaps it's best for us to go elsewhere or choose a different date or buy a different wedding dress. But because we're attached to it, it can be really hard to let go. So when we consider decisions, we need to think about the emotion attached to it. And you also need to think about the emotion, as I said, you're currently feeling and how that decision makes you feel. For example, if you're feeling really excited about a choice, think a little bit, just extend that feeling and going, okay, I'm excited and I'm optimistic and I'm feeling maybe a little bit impulsive and a bit buzzed. 
that's a good thing, but is that impeding my decision-making? Is this excitement reducing a little bit of logic? In the same way, I'm sure we've had something come to us or someone let us down, something happened that makes us angry. And our first instinct is to go, I'm going to write a fucking email and I'm going to tell them exactly what they think because I fucking hate them and they suck. Which, yes, can you, <laughs> it can make you feel really good. But then also, it doesn't always work and doesn't necessarily solve problems. It can just create bigger problems. So if a vendor gets back to you and is rude or doesn't get back to you at all and is ghosting you or you've paid them a deposit and they're being very unprofessional, it can be really frustrating and it can build. And because you've placed this pressure on this decision, you think you've made the wrong decision or you are being challenged by the decision-making process, it can make people act out, say things that aren't necessarily good. They might be true but aren't necessarily good for solving a problem. And I'm not saying don't write the email, but I'm saying write the freaking email and then put it in draft and wait a couple of hours and maybe come back and tweak it. I know when I am stressed, I can make decisions very impulsively just to get it the fuck out of my life. My favorite real housewife, Bethany Frankel, says, you know, when there is a problem, you should sit with it. You should allow yourself to feel stressed and confused because making a decision when you're in that mindset can often be the wrong decision. And for me, I think listening to my feelings and not acting on them immediately is a really big life lesson that I'm trying to embrace every day. Number four, ditching the concept of regret and actually just ditching irrelevant emotions. As I said earlier, if you make a decision or you're thinking about making a decision and something isn't sitting right with you, that's an emotion you should be listening to. If you feel energized and the anticipation of this decision is making you feel really excited, then again, that should be a motivation to proceed or at least consider that decision to be the right decision to make at that time. If you feel anxiety about a decision, then you need to question why you're feeling that way. Regret is a trap that I encourage you to not indulge in. Because if you live with regret and you worry about the consequences of decisions that really don't matter in the long run, it can really weigh you down emotionally. And I mean this not about wedding planning, I just mean everything. I think a lot of us get stuck in the past and a lot of anxiety and emotions get stuck there and we think about things over and over again. Why didn't I choose this or why did I say that? It's really hard and I know a lot of my guests, lovely Dr. Lindsay Beerer, Lucy Sheridan recently, Dr. Purvis earlier in the year, they've all talked about regret and becoming stuck and stifled by decisions and feelings when we're thinking about something 10 years down the track or how it will affect us when really we should be making decisions that work for us in the now because we aren't mind readers, we aren't future predictors, we don't know what's going to happen. So when we think about choices and the potential regret we could feel, then that's a bit of a mind fuck. As I said, do your pros and cons, look at what could possibly happen, but do not become completely involved and obsessed and fixated with the consequences of these choices. Which leads me to number five, that is embracing the unknown. 
We cannot control outcomes. We don't know if it's going to rain on our wedding day. We don't know if our marriage will last. We don't know how long we're going to live. And that is the point of life. You just keep going. You try your best. You really encourage yourself and your partner to have the best moments, to make decisions that will work for you as a team and to live your best life as all of those Instagram promotional influencer wankers say. But it's sort of true. Taking chances is the biggest joy in life. I think of so many examples of people that I admire, of businesses that have launched, of relationships that happened. I mean, I wouldn't have met Rich had I not found him on Facebook, complete rando. He wasn't a complete rando. He was a friend of a friend and commented on the same post. And he had, it ended up, we chatted for a while. He'd moved to England. And I was like, fuck it. A couple of months in, this wasn't the day of, I'm not a complete lunatic. I bought a ticket and I went and met him at Heathrow Airport. And I remember thinking, look, Alicia, if this doesn't work, you'll get a great stand-up comedy routine out of it. You got this feeling that this guy's a real winner. And you haven't really met many real winners recently, so maybe this is a chance, a risk, a decision worth making and taking. And if it doesn't work out, you're not going to regret it because you made a decision that worked for you. It's going to be a great dinner party story, a great comedy show, and fuck it, live. If you want to hear the whole backstory, I actually wrote, (laughs) ironically, I talk about writing a comedy show. I did write a whole Melbourne International Comedy Festival show, an hour stand-up show about our meeting and about me jumping on this plane and really at the time our friends were like what the fuck are you doing you don't know this guy what are you doing but I trusted my gut and I also just thought you know what this life's too short to not give it a crack and I will I will regret talking about regrets not going and giving this a go but if you want to learn more um the very first episode of this here podcast I do tell that story zero zero one Uh, Go back, it's a short episode, but I do go into a little bit more detail about our meeting. And then also I believe I share a story about being bitten by a monkey in Bali on our honeymoon and thinking I have rabies. Final thoughts that I want to really reiterate that perfection does not exist. I talked about Dr. Purvis. He did a wonderful episode, our first episode back um, in 2019 which I do believe was episode 354 and the idea that we can become fixated on the outcome and really striving for something that doesn't exist. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would highly recommend it. Dr. Purvis is fantastic at really breaking down how we become people that don't stress about trying to be the best. And if our expectations aren't met, that we're not devastated, it's not going to break us. If you struggle with the decision-making process, then one last thing I think that helps me is that I am a a writer or a downer. (laughs) I like to make notes. I've got notebooks that I fill with notes. I sometimes never go back and read them, but the art of writing something down really helps me. So maybe next time you're faced with a decision or a choice that is challenging you, whether it's a small decision or a big decision, then do your pros and cons. Tap into the emotions that you are feeling and the emotions that the decision is making you feel. When I said the emotions that you're feeling, I mean how you're feeling at the time and then also how the decision is making you feel. Write it down and then walk away and come back again later if you have the opportunity to do so. Some decisions you've got to make on the spot. Some decisions you've got time to think about. 
whatever you do, especially when it comes to wedding planning, do not feel pressured. Make sure you understand the consequences of your choices and actions and don't ever walk into a deal or sign something because you feel pressured to make a decision on the spot. That's not how it should work. And I really want to encourage you to fight back against that. So there it is. Think about your emotions. Ditch the irrelevant unnecessary emotions that we sometimes attach to our decision making make sure you map shit out pros and cons list the fuck out of it embrace uncertainty and try and let go of feelings of regret or at least anticipation of regret because it's just energy wasted when you could be making much better decisions and moving on with your life you know just me talking about all of this stuff has really helped myself. So I hope it's helped you. And I hope if you're listening and you are struggling with decisions, whether it's attached to wedding planning or in life in general, I hope that this information and some of my silly stories have helped you at least calm the thoughts and the overwhelm and the panic, because that's not what wedding planning and life should be about. We shouldn't be struggling with these thoughts all the time. It's okay to feel stressed. It's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay to be challenged by decisions, but don't let it become this experience for you. Don't let this be the memory that you have of wedding planning and this time of your life because it's better than that. And so are you. Look at that. What an Oprah moment. Thank you so much for listening. And as I've mentioned, I've written a couple of books, three actually, the Bride Chiller Survival Guide is a long-form wedding planner. It goes through these feelings. It's unlike any other wedding planning book. It's not just about the practical stuff. It's about the emotional decisions that you make. It's about making connections with your partner so you work together and achieve goals as a team. A lot of the other wedding planning books like, in month three, you have to do this or it's all wrong. That is not my vibe. The Bride Chiller Field Guide is our fill-outable wedding planner. And again, it's a guide. It's not an instruction manual of how you must do things. I'm all about helping you plan the wedding you want without the pressure, obligation, and extra shit. Because we've got enough of that already. Finally, the Made Chiller Manual is a perfect gift to give your bride. Perfect. I said perfect. It's a cool gift. It's a rad gift. It's a great gift to give your bridesmaids. It's all about how to be a bridesmaid, how to be a maid chiller, and how your bridal party can help you. So by gifting this book and getting them in the same sort of zone that you are being a bride chiller and them being a maid chiller, it will ditch the dramas. I guarantee it. We've had such wonderful feedback about this book and I'm delighted and excited to hear more. If you would like to order, all you need to do is go to bridechillerstore.com and use the very special code word NEWCHILLER for 10% off. That's N-E-W-C-H-I-L-L-A. That is bridechillerstore.com and use the code word NEWCHILLER. You can also get Arrow Shit Kit, which is a wedding planning day of kit that it contains over 30 items to help you through any potential dramas, stress or issues on your wedding day. Thanks for listening, my friends. Thank you for your lovely reviews and friendships. And thank you 
for being a part of the Bride Chiller community, a wonderful Facebook group. I love meeting you all there and I love uh, hearing about your plans. And of course, when you graduate, do share photos and a little report about your wedding day because there is nothing more satisfying than seeing successful, joyous celebrations and hearing how the Bride Chiller community and the ethos of Bride Chiller has helped you out. Until next episode, my friends, cool, calm, and easy decisions, and of course, happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014.